You're listening to a Channel Zero Network podcast. The Channel Zero Network is a decentralized network of anarchist podcasts, bringing you analysis of current events, media criticism, rebellious music, interviews with academics and authors, how-tos, and so much more. This is The Final Straw Radio, a weekly anarchist and anti-authoritarian radio show broadcasting out of occupied Saligi land in southern Appalachia. Hello, and welcome to Live Like the World is Dying, your podcast for what feels like the end times. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. What's up, y'all? I'm Pearson, host of Coffee with Comrades. You've been listening to Rebel Steps. I'm your host, Liz. Believe in yourself, trust one another, and get organized. Hello, this is Linda. You're listening to Subversion 1312 on the Channel Zero Network. Whether you are anarcho-curious or a hardened militant, CZN's ever-growing roster of programs has something for you. Head over to channelzeronetwork.com to find out more. One, two, one, two. Tune in for another episode of Marooncast. Marooncast is a down-to-earth black radical podcast for the people. Our host, hip-hop anarchist Simile the RBG and sex educator and crochet artist KLC share their reflections on maroons, rebellions, womanism, life, culture, community, trap liberation, and everyday ratchetness. They deliver fresh commentary with the queer, transgender, non-conforming, fierce, funny, southern girls, anti-imperialist, anti-oppression approach. Polyad and bullshit. Check out episodes of Marooncast on Channel Zero Network, Buzzsprout, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, and Spotify. All power to the people, all pleasure to the people. Peace. Play games of hide and seek in places where there ain't enough green to 
deny the beginning of their innocence So they're left exposed to the cruelties of this world Where I'll show you mine if you show me yours Between 40 year olds and 6 year olds is expected And ain't just talking about old men and little girls This is a gender neutral rape zone And everyone's a target victim And rainy days might be the only thing that slows down this death toll. But even as natural, natural cleanser falls, I see lightning, I hear thunder right after. Me storms right around the corner. Too bad weatherman can't predict these rainstorms are coming. Sirens, God, another one gone. We pay for critical condition, get a new stay, she's gone. Before time could check her out properly, I glance empty, shake my head and thank God silently that my babies were at home. Bass drops and the liquor pours. Sunset and we bang our realities away. Sunrise, we stare into hungry mouths and empty eyes. Look inside empty cabinets and empty lives. Go to dead end jobs and attempt to smile. We lost one America. Population control still works. Congratulations. Arise. 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 One three one two. Welcome to another episode of Maroon Cast. I'm your host, Simile the RBG. This is your girl, KLC. Hey, y'all. Hey, <laughs> it's been a minute. You um, know. yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it's a special time right now. Yeah. We just entered into spring. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. For some of you, this is allergy season. Mm-hmm. Drip get drip. You, get you some Flonase. Because um, it works for me. It really does. Season allergies here. And so and not know. make you sleepy. Because that's the thing with allergies. It's like sleepy part. medicine. It's just, oh. Uh. Yeah. I can't do with the nodding and, and all of that. Yeah. You know, I smoke indica, so I can't do it. <laughs> can't you can't both. have both of those things, cor- you know, correlate. I'm going to sleep. It's going to be summertime. Yeah. So, like, it's, 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 it's spring. It's the beginning. It's a renewal. Yes. It's Women's History Month. But, you know, we make history every day every day just struggling and making history and historical things happening trying to survive trying to thrive um we are a part of women's history though um yesterday was the anniversary of the infamous police raid on maroon house dc yeah and maroon house itself was a part of history being a black, queer, gender non-conforming, women-led, collective, house, cooperative, community space um, in the middle of the empire, Washington, D.C., and Northeast D.C., um, successfully for a little over a year, um, started by the Maroon Movement and Food Clothing Resistance Collective, which had been formulated in 2015, um, and it made history for the the types of events that we had for the, the for you know um, what we were connected to while we were there, the work that we were doing, and connecting entertainment and advocacy. You know, right next to you know 
the hood on one side and further, some, yeah. further down, you know, business type, you know, aspect on the other and just being there and existing and um, making a difference. Mm-hmm. And then we were raided by the Metropolitan Police Department. And um, I, w- I just wanted to give a bit of a background on that. Not too much of a background, but just to acknowledge it as a part of history, the raid, the community, maroon movement itself, food clothing resistance collective itself. We talk about what we do on episode to episode, but just to actually say, hey, we did some things that needed to be done and modeled some things to other people that led to other people doing it. And that is the work that we wanted to do. Yeah. And the raid showed us in a way that we were doing the right thing. Yeah. Now, to give some people a background on it, Food Clothing Resistance Collective is an organization that was started by myself and some other members of another collective house called the Peace House D.C., Um, basically it was a way to get people who were not a part of our house, our collective house, um, that was initially connected to the anti-nuclear vigil outside of the White House, the peace tent, the peace vigil. Um, the house itself was connected to that and William H. Thomas and, and Connie and others who would volunteer. There's a lot of anti-war, anti-oppression um, organizers would come through over the years, a legendary space. And we were, you know, it, they would rotate people who lived in the collective. And, and by the time I rotated into the collective, it was after the one-year anniversary of Occupy DC, which is part of the, the entire Occupy movement. We don't have to do a history lesson on that. There's plenty. You can watch plenty of videos on Occupy Movement. But I came in on the anniversary from Virginia into Washington, D.C. to be a part of the protests that were still ongoing, even though the encampment had been broken up. And um, ended up meeting some of the activists from there, got invited to the space, ended up being a part of the space for the next (laughs) several years without even originally intending that. Um, you know, a few years in with a whole lot of in-between of protests and actions and comrades dying and police surveillance and fed surveillance and interactions with Secret Service and everything because of where we were at the time originally just blocks away from the White House. Um, We ended up creating Food Clothing Resistance Collective as a way to bring us closer to the community and the community closer to us so that we're, we're kind of affecting each other with our culture, with our arts, with our organizing, with our music. and But I wanted to push even further for us to have more mutual aid, um, which was something that would come, you know, come and go in ebbs and flows, but we wanted to, like, hardcore make sure that we were taking care of that. And so uh, Food Clothing Resistance Collective is what it was. We ended up um, doing a lot of feeding, providing toiletries, um, and eventually the uh, D.C. free store that we would do once a month, giving out clothing items and all of these things. Um, Anything that anybody wanted to bring for free, they just brought it, which is the concept of a free store. Um, From there, um, eventually when the Peace House moved to another location and I retained that space, 
it became the Maroon House, and it became real black and real real <laughs> queer and full of women in films. And with that being said, everybody was a part of the space when we opened the doors. It wasn't just women and films and queer and trans and gender non-conforming people that were a part of it, and that was the intention. It was an intentional community. It was an intentional, you know, model for people to see how we can, we went from the free store originally to having a people's pantry, which became a, not a once a month thing. It's a, um, I mean, you've spoken before about the people's pantry, but you know, tell them again, <laughs> for those who haven't, you know, checked out our mutual aid episode, tell them again, if you don't mind, about what our people's pantry was. <clears throat> so basically, we had, we had people that would donate, and this is like during the events that we would have. We would have music festivals. Sometimes we'll have you know groups of people bringing things, but like on an everyday, there will be a day, you know, any day we'll walk on the porch and boom, there's like big bags of clothing, and this is nice clothes. And and I will say this about the community that was given: it was really not, it wasn't thrown away things that you wouldn't want your family members to wear with really nice items washed clean we had a room um a pretty large room where we had racks of clothes where we you know sized them hung them up really nicely so that people were able to look through them we organized you know shoes and clothes and children's clothes and toys we also had toiletries um pads tampons condoms condoms you know lotions shampoos we had you know canned goods food that also you know that was donated and this and a lot of things were donated there's a lot of the things that we purchased um ourselves to go in there and just to see the faces of people and the relief the in and knowing that hey we don't have to be ashamed of coming to the room house we feel safe here this is family and we're gonna get some nice things um and we're able you know we were able to meet that gap in some situations um so yeah it was it was it became a staple for the community somewhere that people knew that they could come and you know they would be able to meet get their needs Mm -hmm. you know and 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 also form form you know maybe have an event maybe have um some information or some forms that they're dropping off for a survey or you know um come in and study maybe talk about a book or something radical uh talk about you know just we had all sorts of conversations relating to local and and national and international because it's Washington DC and so it was an amazing location right yeah. near the mat- metro system accessible to people in the middle of a, a fairly well-known neighborhood that you know had a lot of tensions with gentrification and you know lower income people being pushed out and the police being a menace mm-hmm. and lots of kind of na- events that ended up going viral even of people getting chased or interactions and lawsuits that came out with the police harassing and bothering our neighbors and we've had organizational meetings with them in our backyard um you know opening up our space um you know, to the community, and it was just, you know, between the people's pantry, between the people's garden, which is our garden that was in the backyard yeah. that would bring all types of people together, um, uh, between that, our water relief. Yeah, and and that was beautiful. You know, it was just like 
water relief days, you know, going to the grocery store, purchasing the water and the fruit and chips and having music and just out there in the front yard as our, you know, communities walking by. Some people are like, oh, how much is this? And we're like, no, this is for free. This is free. This information is free. Take this flyer. We always had flyers with our information on it about Food Clothing Resistance Collective, about Maroon Movement, about Maroon House. Um, and 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 clipboards to get down people's contact information to follow up if they wanted to utilize the space if they just wanted to come over and volunteer letting them know the different things that we did we also had a feed the people program and 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 would take food to lafayette park or other places you know under underpasses and things of that nature or we would just feed people you know cook food and feed people right you know at the space different events that we had a lot of these things were paid for because we rented the space out for events to usually artists and organizers um, at, a, at a price that was a lot cheaper than, than many other places with a space that was bigger, a full working kitchen, a huge backyard, a front yard. It was a type of a space where you could have an event with different things going on, and we, mm-hmm. we often did. We had Night Out for Safety and Liberation there, and all these organizations from across Washington, D.C., you know, all amassed at our space, like many other spaces do across the country for Night Out for Safety and Liberation. It's an important time for organizations to come together. And um, that was an amazing day. Yo, it was so dope. Just so many people, so many different outreaches, so many different messages. Free food and information and performances and people, you know, reclaiming how we can come together to keep ourselves safe, which is basically how do we keep the police and the state out of our affairs and, and, and be able to be self-sufficient for ourselves. And so Maroon House was a place that we wanted to emulate for people to be able to escape, you know, like the Maroons, to create some type of autonomy and collective decision-makings amongst ourselves. And um, myself coming from Virginia and, and you know, where the Great Dismal Swamp is and the Great Dismal Swamp community and and where some of the first um, enslaved Africans, you know, became a part of what would future be called the United States of America, you know, came um, through Point Point Comfort and Hampton and, and, and Jamestown and, and all of that. Like, it's a history. It's it's my history. It's, it's the history of, of all, you know, black so-called African people uh, um, uh, not so-called African, but so-called black African or new African people. And um, it's just uh, we were able to bring a little bit of Southern, a little South Carolina mm-hmm. and a little bit of Virginia and a little bit of, you know, a little bit of that maroonage uh, to uh, Washington, D.C., which is also a resistance town. And um, our first maroon house was in actually Baltimore, which is also a resistance town. And, you know, so we're in, you know, the land of Tubman and um, opened up the first space, which was more of a, just a, a internal s- structure for us that we didn't really open up to the community, which is why the D.C. structure was so important because it was open up to the community and it became a, sp- a space for many people to come through. One of the groups that would eventually be connected very heavily to the space from the beginning were the people who helped get Initiative 71 passed in Washington, D.C., which was the initiative that legalized cannabis. Now, this would be the the catalyst for the downfall. (laughs) Uh, Just the catalyst, though. It wouldn't be the the all in all. Um, 
we had ball uh, uh, um, uh, um, excuse me not balls we had uh, um, competitions we had um, you know people with seeds people teaching people how to cook with cannabis people you know um, the C- even the CBD ball, C- CBD bath bombs showing you you know uh, showing you the benefits of CBD showing you the benefits of THC you know, um, DC normal classes, just about everybody and anybody who was a part of the early cannabis community when cannabis was legalized came through the peace, uh, the peace house first. And then later on the maroon house, DC, when we, when we took it over. And, um, so we were known for a few years to have concerts. You could come smoke. If you have a film session, you could come smoke. Um, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was so dope. You know, um, we, we did a lot of, we did a lot of cannabis stuff. A lot of cannabis advocacy, and we were known for that. And people, people, often when they wanted to rent the space, it's just so they could have something where people could smoke. Can we smoke? Can we smoke? Can we smoke? That was always the question. Yes, you can smoke because it is illegal. Um, and we would give away seeds and plants and and things and check IDs and and you know it wasn't really it wasn't it was fun. People, we would have video game tournaments and people wanted to do all kinds of stuff. Have comic cons and people. We had reggae bands in the back. We had glass yeah. blowers in the back. I mean, you would be amazed. It was amazing. I, I've never. It, it was amazing. It, it just something I always imagined. And then it was like every day you never knew what was going on. In the process of people having these cannabis events, though. always pushing it forward to always radicalize things and always bring the political aspect of things and the anti-capitalist nature of, 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 of resistance into it so that it doesn't just become this, you know, party, you know, like, Oh, that's the party house. No, this is the the, the house that's political. While you party, you gonna get this work. And it works so well because we got people involved into mutual aid and 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 wanting to talk about topics that were ongoing in the community, wanting to see how they could get involved, and or could they, you know, have a space where they could whatever they were involved in already, you know, have a space to have a meeting or have a space to, you know, have an event. And we were able to get a lot of people who would ordinarily just come in for a party to come in with food or to come in with clothing or to come in and take some zines with them. We kept zines around so people yeah. would have information and you come in and then, you know, people would see posters on our wall. Like everything in our space, our flags, our posters, everything screamed black, brown, indigenous, independence, sovereignty, autonomy, resistance. And people would just sometimes just be in the, remember how they would just, just, just come tell, in there and be like, just wow, looking it just around feel, at the walls. It just feel like, wow, yeah. in here. Like, it would just, like, it just feels so good. Like, it feels yeah. good. And so it was a definite vibe of, of, of joy and resistance. Yeah. And I wanted to duplicate it, and, 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 and people would take it and take the seeds and sprinkle it. I see the seeds right now s- sprouting yeah. all throughout D.C., so many collectives and collective houses, and so many of those people I've had personal conversations with, you know, about mutual aid and the benefits of it for communities and how if you're going to have a revolution, you're going to always need mutual aid from, yeah. the, from the jump. Because you're gonna, especially like, what if you're striking? People gotta get together and give you, get you know, you might be boycotting something. You might have to, you know, 
drive each other here, give each other food. Mm-hmm. You might lose your job at, in the process of striking, and someone has to, you know, pay bills. Like these yeah. are th- like you can't even that's how really we protest without mutual yeah, aid. Someone's what... gonna go to j- jail, and you're gonna need some assistance. You're gonna need jail assistance. You know, um, someone's gonna get hurt at a protest. They're gonna need the street medics. Like all of these things, you know, are that. And, and, and giving back, it's not just some charity work to make you feel good. It should be leading to something. And so that's what that's what that space was. And so when whom, whomever contacted the, the, the Metropolitan Police, I can say we had been having parties and events and classes and giving back to the you know to our community for for like three years before they they, they came and, and, and really seriously raided us kicked in the door mm-hmm. dogs guns drawn you know you were the first one yeah um, i was i was upstairs yeah, so you actually I got was the downstairs first. i was yeah actually it was crocheting and <laughs> with my dog Keisha and crochet was crocheting, <laughs> I was crocheting. true to form yeah and i remember hearing the loud boom and i remember hearing people just running and I walked towards the front door. Like I did Call the op- <laughs> I did the opposite with my dog in my arms. And I just like walked up like, who the hell kicked my door? Bitch, is she crazy? Um but yeah, it all kinda happened. They kicked it hard because I heard it all the way upstairs. Yeah, I like, yeah. Oh, I was shit. kinda a little bit pissed, like, who was kicking on my door? Um But yeah, and, and seeing and turning that corner and seeing them in my house. With guns and lights on my chest and my dog. And, and by lights, she means they were red, red beams. Red they had beams. the red beams out like they were raiding, you know what I'm saying, like some type of drug factory or some shit. And this motherfuckers, it might be somebody smoking a blunt, but I didn't know smoking a blunt was, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like they didn't, they didn't, they kicked in the door and they didn't see what they wanted to see, apparently. No. No, it, yeah. Be, be, because it's just a you know, couple of folks in there. I think somebody was setting up the video game. Yeah, yes. I think they had one, someone was actually playing the game. Yeah. It was, just, it was just a few of us in there. Just, it's just sitting and chilling. And, you know, um, the thing about it is they acknowledge that you can have large parties and people have cannabis. Their yeah. whole thing is, uh, well, you shouldn't exchange gifts or items or anything. It was what was known as the gray area in Washington, D.C. and, all, you know, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of these um, uh, affluent white cannabis businesses that popped up after Initiative 71 where they're having, like, fancy five-course infused meals mm-hmm. or mansion parties or all kinds of shit they you never heard about. But for, like, two years straight, you heard about all these raids happening in, in predominantly black, brown, or just, like, young, white youth, college kid looking. Really nobody white, to be honest. White people might be there, but these parties were usually, you know, the ones that they targeted the most. Um, it was black and brown folks. Now they did they did a, they did arrest and target some white some white folks too, but they were usually like regular working class. They weren't rich white people. The white people that they fucked with were working class, just like the black and brown people. And 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 most of those cases, I mean, because the 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 bus started getting national attention, like letting you know, like by the time they got to our house and started fucking with us. Um, and again, when they came, there wasn't even anything going on. There wasn't any party. There wasn't any anything. 
and it's legal to give away seeds and it's legal to give away plants and it's legal to 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 um to gift to to you know an ounce and and to have two ounces on you as possession and we knew the law and you know what i'm saying so when it came in there there's nothing that's going on and so but for whatever reason you came in there i don't know but you know um they came in there violently they fucked up our shit and it was key was missing to our our you know our house in the front in the lockbox they went upstairs don't know what they did because that was our you know where were our res you know our bedrooms where they went up there we have no idea what they left there what they planted there we don't know how long they were watching us we don't know how many people came in and had been walking around and chilling we didn't know who out of the new people that moved into our house was who to be honest because they were very 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 new and we really didn't know know them and Things that happened after the raid is really what led up to us leaving there because we really did not feel safe at all. And we had many reasons to, including being threatened. But the raid itself um, was just unnecessarily violent. And our community is looking at, like, this is where we get food. This is where we get mm -hmm. clothes. And... Um, why y'all messing with them girls? Because, yeah. you know, quite often they'd be like, oh, that's the house with them girls. You know, so it, it, that's that's all the you know the elders and stuff who come to get their CBD medicine, and and because we had so many seniors that would come. Yeah, it was such a mixture. Of it people. wasn't some you know it wasn't it was it was so many seniors that would come to to be for their ailments and and aches and bruises and tinctures and people who ordinarily couldn't get any help in the medical facilities. You know. Um, and, and learning how to do it themselves, learning how to make it themselves. And I guess that's, you know, I guess they would rather people go where people aren't giving shit away. I don't know. I don't know what it is they wanted. Like, don't give out what's legal to give out. Don't talk about it. Don't have fun. Don't have a house full of people having fun and not being stressed and not shooting each other, not killing each other. No guns because we frisk people at the door. Mm -hmm. You know, teaching people and having all types of cultures be around each other who wouldn't ordinarily be around each other and you're in a radical space, so no bullshit's going to fly. I, what, I guess they didn't like that. Even the police officers, they knew because they had been watching us, told us, hey, I know that this is a good space and that you guys do good stuff for the community. In fact, I know y'all always giving out clothing. Mm -hmm. So then what did he say? He says, you know, I'm going to bring some clothes. Yeah, dropped off clothes. Dropped off clothes the next morning. There was two big bags of clothes. It was just... This is the sergeant who was in charge of the raid. And um, incidentally, I kept asking for that, um, you know, let me see some papers. And they didn't have any papers, no papers till at the end of the fucking yeah, at raid. Yeah, the, when they were leaving. some bullshit. Um, we didn't say much to them except pick my shit up, get that off, pick that flag up, don't knock this over, close that door. You know, we was talking to each other, but we didn't talk about anything that was going on. And, you know, they had us detained for, like, hours with our like hands behind, hour, our, yeah, behind our back. It was very, very uncomfortable. Um, some people, you know, other people who got spooked, it wasn't a part of our house, but they ran and some got hurt. And from what I told, what I was told, like, they kind of got roughed up a bit. You know, the people that they did take off, it wasn't anybody from the house, but it was just some people that was there. And they kind of, you know, was a little rough with them um, in the, in the cell or whatever. Um, but long story short, whatever whatever they tried to do, all the the charges got dismissed and dropped in court. So nobody nobody got any time. Nobody went to jail. And that's happened in many 
of the same situations for people having cannabis events, cannabis parties, or just whatever. You you might just be a bunch of people just smoking, you know. If they choose to come in because of cannabis, which they're not supposed to stop you for the smell of cannabis or anything like that, it's against the law, you know. Um, but they'll do it anyway. They still were doing it. They still were arresting black people for weed or, you know, whatever. They still were arresting people for weed. They still were using weed as an excuse to kick indoors and go into houses and then plant and or find other things. So, you know, all in the other, in all the other cases, most of them, most of them, they let everybody go. Like they went through this whole big thing, raiding people, scaring people, making it look like there's some type of menace and terror in the community and then let people go and nobody gets, nobody gets, nobody gets any time. Nobody gets any charges or drop. Just get some trauma. Just trauma. And they take, they take whatever they see. And, you know, so they're taking a bunch of shit. And that's really, you know, they, they did that for, for quite some time. I don't even really know the situation now on the ground because we did continue to have events classes and everything else after that we had classes we had a um cannabis cup you know nobody was selling shit it was just you know chilling and having a good time um they said that we couldn't have anything where anybody gifted anybody shit so you know as far as exchanging and we made sure that wasn't a thing and you know you come in you 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 might leave with something free though you might still leave with a plant and some seeds because I am a cannabis advocate, and and I know how it is affecting and helped me with endometriosis and mental health. And without cannabis, I don't know how I could tolerate endometriosis and mental health, Mm-mm. my mental health, it, it, um, you know, uh, mood disorders, to be specific. Mood disorders and endometriosis, and it's serious. It's extremely serious, and I need my CBD, I need my THC, and all the other fun things that I'm learning about. And I, and I appreciate that cannabis community in Washington, D.C. Even though we caught a lot of slack, it was a beautiful thing. It, it, got, it became something else and, and it became kind of money-based and capitalist-based. But it started off as just a really beautiful thing. And you would meet up in these secret groups and then we would go off and meet people. And it was nice. And um, for them to fuck up that ability for the community um, to have a space like that um, all the concerts, all the films, all the children's events, all the back to school stuff, you know, like they interrupted that, but that's what the, that's what the state does. They interrupt anything that will have people coming into their own power. And Correct. so it took me a long time to get over that. Like, how did you feel after the raid? Like, were you shell shot? Like, be honest. Cause we don't, we didn't this, and this might be the only time we talk about this, but we're just being, you know, transparent, because it is the second year anniversary and I don't talk a lot about it to let people know, you know, we're human beings like that shit psychologically, that shit really affected yeah. me and it caused a lot of problems in the house, which caused the house to have to split up. And this is why we're in Baltimore now. But like, were you shell shocked? How did you feel after that shit happened? I mean, for the first, that was our house. Yeah. For the first <laughs> month, I think I my, literally, I think my body was in shock. Like I was in shock. Um, it's just, the knowledge of knowing that you're you're not safe anywhere. Like that illusion of, oh well I'm safe at home. I'm safe anywhere. Um it's not a statistic anymore. Like even seeing um Brianna and th- these different mm. things that the police just coming in is just like, no, for real, no, legit. They can just come in there for no reason. 
and and shoot you and just like the flashing back and seeing how it could have went so terribly wrong like looking down and seeing those red dots on my chest I'll never forget it you know um but it also made it hard for me to trust anything um trust people trust you know it just it just really shook up my world in a way that it kind of made me go into myself yeah a little bit and 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 it's okay like you need to pull away i need to heal i need to you know but this is this is traumatic and it's not something that you can prepare for for me it was i've never even seen a gun up close that was my first time really seeing it point at me like that yeah. that's that's I mean, a different most thing people aren't getting <laughs> like, guns pointed at them yeah so like you know your mind is like well that it's it's done it's gone but like then it's like holy fuck i had guns pointed at me like big they, fucking guns n- not no nothing things. i you know and i was just standing there in the middle of death yeah, with your dog. With my dog. And she was on her little period. She was in heat. It was her first one. So I was concerned <laughs> about that. And then here we go. You know, I went from crocheting with some yarn and a little puppy to having red dots on my chest um, and someone kicking my doors and in guns and, and then being in handcuffs and not having that freedom in your own home. It's like nothing you could say but to just keep your cool because you don't know somebody might trip yeah and so yeah it's 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 two years out it still has you know effect on me um to be honest um I don't know that I'll ever really feel okay or totally relaxed in any place yeah. Um, I mean, but it's hard to in the United States of America. Yeah, we're it's like it's like oh well, let me move. We've already to... had two um, mass shootings. Yeah, it's like oh, back to back. Yeah, so it's like um, you know, so it's hard to feel comfortable anywhere in the United anywhere. States. It doesn't matter where you are, but especially not if you're black, brown, indigenous, and in your home, and God forbid you're in a, a state or district where cannabis is legal. I mean, because you could do the math and you can and you could do the research. This did not just take place in Washington. What I'm trying to get you to understand is these series of raids were happening in every state where legalization happened and people were having cannabis parties. Well, what's a cannabis party? It's a party where people have cannabis and that's yeah. legal. Yeah. And they were just interrupting it in hopes that they could find a crime. And if they had found a crime... Why weren't they charging people? Why were they, I mean, or why were they charging people and then dismissing the cases, I should say? Yeah. It was a disruption. This was a nationwide thing. And so, like, for me, ultimately leaving the space, I've I've been depressed for two years straight. I've been depressed since they kicked that door in. I was a little depressed before then, but when they kicked that door in March 2019, I've been depressed since then. And, you know, um, of course not trusting me. But this wasn't my first time. You know, for me, it wasn't my first experience. I grew up in the projects. So mm-hmm. I saw raids, arrests, detainments. I've had guns pointed at me from non-police. I've had guns pointed at me from police. I've had to get down on the ground. I've, we've had to push elders on the ground in our family as bullets are flying around us, I used to have to run away from bullets flying all the time. Like, I'm not saying this to be dramatic. I'm not saying this to be romantic. And But if you grew up in 
any housing project during the height of the crack era, this was kind of your reality too. And that's just to keep it a brick. A lot of people who didn't experience certain things always make it seem like people were being dramatic when you speak about that. Mm-hmm. But if you if you lived in, in any urban city during the crack era, shit was always going on and it was always fucking raids and SWAT and, and, and fucking armored vehicles and people's whole homes being wrecked. And, you know, that shit gave me PTSD and so when that shit happened, when they kicked in our doors there, I, I was just real calm. Yeah. When it initially when happened, it happened. yeah, I was real too. calm because I'm like, this is what it means when you're a colonized person in, 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 you know, within an empire. You know, this is what happens, you know, when your people don't have their own independence and you're under the jurisdiction of your former slave masters and current slave masters to be a to be a brick mm-hmm. because what do you think prison is it's just an extended you know um plantation and on some places like parchment it actually is a plantation you know like mm-hmm. they got us they caught a lot of prisons on plantations y'all you think that's an accident or a joke hmm. You know, people getting mad about slavery reenactments, but like, do you know the hell that our our our, our brethren and sistren and fam is living in behind bars? So don't nobody want to go to that shit. Even when people ain't did shit, we're up on guard all the time about the police because who the fuck wants to go to jail? Mm-mm. So I was mad calm, and I communicated as little as possible, but you know. Being the face of the organization and, 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 you know, being someone who's 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 been in cuffs and been in situations and cop watched and done trainings. And I knew what to say and what not to say. And, and you know, again, they they left and took those cuffs off of us. But it for a while, I kept feeling like they was going to come back. Yeah. And yeah. that's what made yeah. me not sleep very well at night. And. For, before it happened, I had been having dreams that they was going to kick in the door. And, 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 and I was kind of like mentally preparing myself and, and, and because they were harassing anybody having anything to do with cannabis events. And so um, at least those that were connected to entertainment and had big, big, big crowds. Um, so, yeah, it's just um, PTSD. I had it for a minute. Depression, anxiety. Like two years it took to try to get over that and not being able to trust people and not knowing, just not feeling comfortable around people because you don't know who's watching for the police to mm-hmm. report back to them, mm-hmm. to give them information. Because they did say that they had been surveillance. I don't know if their surveillance was coming directly in or utilizing somebody in. They were like, they're going to fucking tell you. So, mm-hmm. no, this is how we did it. This is how we knew. This is how we did this. They're not going to tell you the specifics, but... We had been under surveillance and you just, that makes you, but that's, that, that's part of their thing to always get in your head to make you feel like they always in control of everything and you just don't know. So just don't be around nobody. But when we got here in Baltimore, we made sure, and I pushed myself through pain, through pain, through emotional pain, because Maroon House was so special and making the choice to leave that so we could be safer broke my heart. It destroyed me. Like, I felt like we let down the community. I felt like I let down myself by not being more stringent with vetting and security measures and and just so many different things. I just kicked myself over and over and over and over and over and over and over. 
Maybe we should have been not so cannabis uh, friendly. You know they hate cannabis culture. You know they still were arresting black people despite it being legalized. You know that the, the juvenile system in Washington, D.C., just like the juvenile system in Baltimore, is almost predominantly black and brown. You know these things, Sema. Yes, I know they're bringing in the food and they're bringing in the clothes. And, they, and, I, and I know people are smiling and I know elders are, are here talking and having conversations with the youth. And you feel good about it. And you should. But you know they hate that. You know they hate it. So, I, you know, it took me a long time to get over. It wasn't the raid. It was losing that space. It was losing the community. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what hurt. Fuck, fuck the raid. I ain't been through. Yeah. I mean, you know, not to say, not to be dismissive of that being your first experience. Yeah, but I'm no, saying for no, me in yeah. my head, it was like, fuck the raid. They did, all they my people got good. To. All my ain't no ain't none of my people got no got nothing. They not in yeah. jail. Ain't nobody. Everything's dismissed. All my peoples is good. We ain't got no record from that shit. It's, it's to them, it's like it didn't happen. But it was enough to 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 cause negative things into motion, and. For me, it was just, damn, I miss the community. Damn, I miss being around, you know, um, what we were what we were building, you know, and, and, and helping people, you know. Um, people said they started to feel, learn themselves and feel like they were coming yeah. into themselves. Yeah. It wasn't about us planting ideas into their head, like, do this Ooga and booga. do that. And if you don't do this. No, we were just, boom, here's the info, here's the inspiration. Mm-hmm. Do what y'all will, but spread that shit, y'all. So losing that and having to go, you know, start in a, in a, in a different space, um, back to Baltimore, and but not back to Baltimore in a big house in and in a, in where we can just pick back up, you know, back to Baltimore and back to the to just linking up with other organizations without an actual space of our own. And I I don't mind that. But it was moment. a big adjustment. Yeah. It was a and big adjustment. And we didn't adjustment. know this COVID was going to hit the weight, you know. And so now it doesn't even matter because even yeah. if we had a space, people we wouldn't, wouldn't have been be able to do. Our, but yeah. we would have still, I know if we oh, still we had it. We would have navigated it. It would have been, it would have yeah. been a different setup. Definitely would still, definitely would still be putting the work as we are still doing now. We wouldn't have been able to do, but, 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 but remember at some point, we started bringing people's pantry outside. Yeah. It used to be you come yeah. in, you knock on the door, you yeah. come in, you know, we get you yeah. some bags. It definitely like would just, that. yeah. But on beautiful days, I was like, man, why don't we just take, I know it's work, y'all. I know it's work. We got to take all this shit out. All and these it racks all. out. I know sometimes racks people are like, dang, her and her ideas. But at the end of the day, everybody's smiling. We're happy. People walking off with bags. And it's nice to be embedded in the middle of your community. Yeah. Not so you can pat yourself on the back, just so people can really see you. Because if we're just inside, people may or may not know that's the house. But if you put it on the sidewall, they will know. If you got zines and information on the, uh, out there, they will know. If you're physically out there, they can ask you questions. Yep. All types of questions. You can give them all types of answers. And this is what makes mutual aid not just some fucking charity work. And for us, it never has been. It's not what, That's not the background that I come from. It's always been embedded within the community. So when people you know, are online and they do stuff like community, you know, like, it's like, 
or organizer. I was like, well, maybe you've had bad experiences, but some of us take community and or and, and organizing seriously, not like some prop or some shit, but just like we're doing the work of the people. Like you can call it banana cakes. I don't care what you call it. That just do good. the fucking work so we can get free. Yeah. And mutual aid in it of itself isn't getting free, but it is patterning a different way that we can live that is anti-capitalist and isn't all about hoarding and 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 the highest price and this and that it's about we have it we give it we all can have it and then maybe we'll think about cooperatives and collectives and communes and and autonomous space and independent states and all of that maybe we can aim higher if we start with the basics can you keep a garden together if you could do a garden shit maybe y'all could do a whole farm like mm-hmm. some of us for myself i'm going back to my roots like we've always wanted independence something of our own separate from this jargonaut called the united states of america and we never got a chance to vote on that or do a referendum or go to the united nations nothing it's just like oh y'all niggas we took you and oh y'all niggas you still got to be a part of this says who yeah. republic of new africa was like nah you know Maroon House was always in the spirit of that because I came from those backgrounds from elders who taught me about that in, in the community of uh, what we call El Uma. You know, it was a nationwide community of autonomous Islamic black internationalists, many socialists, former black nationalists, power to the people, Black Panther, former nation of Islam, Republic of New African individuals, you know, up, mainly up and down on the East Coast and Imam Jamil Alameen, also known as H. Rat Brown, was the head of our organization, our, our whole conglomerate, our whole umma, our jamaat, our, you know, our movement. And um, he's, he's a political prisoner because the police got him. And, and we didn't end up like Imam Jamil Alameen. When the police came, they didn't drop his charges. They... They, they, they brought him up on false charges, and, and he's been in prison ever since. And even though someone else has confessed to what he's being charged with, and, and, and Imam Jamil Alameen now is, is, is blind. Mm. <sighs> H. Rap Brown, that y'all love to quote so much, and y'all love to always show him and put him in documentaries. Do you write him? Are you, are you talking about his case, Imam Jamil Alameen? Yes, he was an imam. He was my imam. We had other imams amongst our community, but he was he was the head of our, our our autonomous groups. And we showed what cooperative and collective organizing looked like and keeping the police out of our, our neighborhoods and and having our own prison programs and food programs and like we modeled that. And it's still in the, it's still a community, but what I'm just saying is that like that community, like many of the Panther uh, uh, um, um, spaces, like in 1968, um, uh, the L.A. Panther place getting mobbed on by the police, by the first use of SWAT, or like um, Chairman Fred, because we mm -hmm, watched that, that mm -hmm. movie recently, and it's bringing that incident of his assassination back into, you know, conversation. You know, it got destroyed, and then who came and fixed the place up? At community came. The community came and fixed it up. The community stood by and watched the Panthers in L.A. The community was, was always down with those Panthers, um, you know, in Oakland and, and, and the Panthers in New York. Like, 
The police always come after groups. The Republic of New Africa didn't even weren't even established long before they burst into Aretha Franklin's father's church, uh, Reverend C. L. Franklin's church, New Bethel, and shot up the place while they're meeting. You know, came up and shot up another house a few years later and took uh, charged eleven members of the Republic of New Africa, so, and they're known as the the RNA eleven, and. Um, Shooting and shooting and stuff like like while babies are there, you know, while our babies are there who have nothing to do with anything, you know, but really just trying to kill people. You, we know about move yeah. and the bomb, yeah. And and when they shot them, when they were shooting people up and just beating people up and smacking Delbert Africa with the with the police helmet and I, I can name every. It's not a single group, black, brown, indigenous, especially all the Amsters and and Native American organizers. You can't name a single group. You can't name the Brown Berets, the Young Lords, not nobody. Revolutionary action, you know, action movement, RAM, none of them. You can't name any of them that the police didn't didn't mess with, infiltrate, fuck with, harass. Even if it was just frisking you, putting you, making you get on the ground, making you take your clothes off, taking pictures of, of you in your underwear, mm-hmm. things to demean and humiliate you. Mm-hmm. That's their job. And if it happened to all of my elders and it happened to us, then I guess we were, you know, right in the same trajectory. Yep. So they don't fuck with people that's building up their legacy and holding up their, their shit. They don't fuck. They don't fuck with them, you know. So it took me a while. Um, it's, it's, it's now March 2021. We had our own little private, you know, mm-hmm. meal and... and we had some. Uh, I survived. We had our out. We, we our our we did survive meal yesterday to commemorate it because it's important, y'all. It's yeah. important to acknowledge when things happen to us and when we get over it. That should be something that we um hold dear to our hearts and and let people know. And I didn't want to talk about it for so long, but I'm just letting people know we got through it, y'all. Yeah. It took. It literally took me two dark fucking years. This and this pandemic only made it worse two dark years of depression to get through it. And now in in March, as of March, 2021, we're expanding again. Yeah. You know, um, we're going to be doing more stuff with comrades here in Baltimore. Um, since I'm, I'm back linked up with my comrades in Ujima people's progress party. It's a black independent political organization that's not just about politics but is about taking care of what we need for our people the everyday needs as best as we can and um ironically that's the first group that I really linked up with when I got here to Baltimore and I said that I was going to start doing some stuff I, I linked up with Ujima I fell back again because the depression was just really bad and I wanted to be useful and um, I'm, 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 I feel that now is that time to get back. And um, I was always doing the work, still doing the work. Comrades, they've been doing the work. But now we can link up on these, in particular, these mutual aid initiatives and community garden initiatives and, you know, educational initiatives and direct action initiatives for the community. Um, 
in addition to um, you know petition signing to get them, this is an independent political organization. It's not Republican. It's not Democrat. And we can support all these other independent political entities. Why not support black radical mm-hmm. socialists? You know, I mean, I know I'm an anarchist, but still, you know, these 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 comrades are on point, or I wouldn't be a part of them. So we're gonna link up and get that mutual aid stepped up and, and, and for me and homage to what all the work that we've been doing for the past five years with Food Clothing Resistance Collective Maroon Movement Maroon House with or without a house right yes and then we're also is expanding into Norfolk Virginia mm-hmm. um, with our Soul Trust 757 Zulu Union uh, Solar Flare Native uh, Order of uh, Solar Flare Natives um, community um, building and teaching and 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 lifting up through our mutual aid and our hip hop and our arts and our educational pro- you know our hip hop education for the youth um, you're gonna see some really big things coming coming from the Norfolk camp that's home that's where it all started for me that's where I first started out there at the UMA and my grandmother and all of the other, you know, who was a part of the United Order of Tents, which I said was on another, or, you know, I think also the mutual aid one. They were a big mutual aid group um, based in Norfolk, Virginia, like right out of slavery, black women ran. And so just continuing all of that, you know. Um, so we, 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 we got a busy spring and summer coming yes, up. Yes, it is. Seems like some things are being planted. Some things are being planted and we survived a really a really harsh drought of 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 emotion and just pain and just we pushed through. We pushed through everything they tried to throw at us and we kept going. And um it allowed me to study and rebuild and renew my faith and strength towards wanting to be independent, my maroon nature, you know, reminding me of my new African self. And I'm going to get more into what the Republic of New Africa and the New African Independence Movement is all about. On a standalone issue, it'll be the next episode coming up, and I'm going to do some reading from Kwesi Balagoon's book, possibly a bit from Sophia Bukhari's book, uh, possibly a bit from the brother Ever Onisi's um, Free the Land book to give you a little bit of a background about what that's about, what the new African independence movement is about. But everything that I'm about right now is about land and, and, and autonomy and specifically sovereignty, independence, self-determination, you know, our reparations, not some bullshit that y'all trying to throw at us, but real reparations, which is linked to our independence and land um and and not being a part of the the United States jurisdiction to just just you know from massacres and hate crimes to murders I'm tired of the United States of America's mm-hmm. constant violence constant violence that's what it means to live in the United States of America is just to constantly be underneath violence it's a violent place aren't you tired of it oh so over it it don't feel good at all. I mean, even if you try to have joy and peace and love and harmony. So at that moment, even like in the middle of having joy, even relaxing for a nice massage. 
you know you might get shot. like there's nothing that you can do can't go to in this church, country can't go get a snack can't, can't go, go to the t- grocery store can't I, like i need to go down the street and it's just like i don't know every time you leave out and then also in your house you don't know yeah so it's yeah so it's we want our own independence so that we can create the safety that we really want because all of the things that we're trying to do now God bless everybody trying to create safety within this dangerous entity, but it's very difficult, y'all, to still be connected to the people who massacred us. Genocide, genocide, black, brown, indigenous genocide is 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 the basis. Land theft is the basis. Rape is the basis. And trying to keep you know, doing things in within it as a citizen of it, as a part of it is, is increasingly depressing me. I can't see or wrap my head around why I would even want to be a part of the fabric of what's not just destroying lives in the United States. They don't just keep that to themselves. They, they put it everywhere all over the globe. They have interfered, disrupted and shed blood and it's time that we have better than that. We're not just marching and striking and boycotting and this and that and constantly putting out fires all over the place to still be trapped in this motherfucker. I I, I, I don't see it like that, y'all. I can't see it like that, y'all. Yeah. So we're going to get into that on that next episode. We just wanted to commemorate Food Clothing Resistance Collective maroon movement but in particular maroon house and in particular maroon house dc we salute everyone was that was a part of that community because yeah. i always told you if you volunteer with us you're a part of food clothing resistance collective at least for that day so i just want to say thank you to everyone who ever volunteered whoever took part people have been sending us messages showing you know that they miss us and that they loved us and we miss and love y'all too this work will continue though and y'all can always keep pushing in your own rights you know, we keep pushing for space, but I hope that we keep pushing eventually until we get independence um, and in the right way, not in a settler way or in a colonizing way. You see what I'm saying? In the right way, in, 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 in unison with the people whose lands that we're on, who were originally here. Because without it being in unison with, the, with them, then it's not the right way. So with that being said... The beautiful call of Republic of New Africa is free to land. Say free to land. Free to land. By any means necessary. By any means necessary. Show you right. Um, so that's our time for today. As usual, I'm Simile the RBG. I'm your girl, KLC. All power to the people. All pleasure to the people. See y'all in the next episode. Peace. Peace. We will never, ever surrender or compromise. We occupied government buildings, we blockaded highways, and we talked about not just marching, but direct action to shut this shit down. We invite you to join us for Indigenous Action, a podcast where we dig deep into critical issues impacting our communities in the occupied lands known as the so-called United States or what many people recognize as Turtle Island. 
This is an autonomous anti-colonial broadcast with unapologetic and claws out analysis towards total liberation. So take your seat by this fire and may the bridges we burn together light our way. Find us at indigenousaction.org and with the Channel Zero Network.